0: Block Talk Radio. Transformation Radio.
1: Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversations. (laughs) Getting a little tongue twisted already. But listen, we transform lives through purposeful conversations. I'm your host, Clifton Pettyjohn. I'm a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach. I provide tools and strategies to transition you from living a life of merely existing to living a life full of purpose. Now, if you are a faithful listener to the show, then you already know that intro song is Rise by Katy Perry. I have adopted that song as the song for the show, and just as the song for everything right now, because I want everybody that is listening to understand it doesn't matter where you are right now, doesn't matter what has happened to you, and I'm not belittling anything that you have went through or that you are going through, but I want you to know that deep within yourself, you have not just the ability to rise, but you have rising inside of you. So I encourage you to tap into that rising on today and to begin to live a life what? For a purpose. Now, guys, I set two goals for the night, okay? Here are my two goals for the night. Number one, I want to finish the show exactly on time. I'll be leaving a lot of space, sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes 40 seconds there, because I haven't quite timed my closing yet. Tonight, I want to perfect the closing. That's one goal. Number two, I want to not interrupt sometimes even though I get excited about what our guests say because sometimes our guests start to say things that just really connect with me. It's like it it hits something inside of me. It's like one of them Oprah uh aha moments, and when that happens, I get excited, and sometimes I end up cutting them off. So I'm working on those two goals on today, all right? If we can accomplish those two goals, then I believe we will have a successful show. Now, here's what's up tonight we have an amazing guest he's a therapist and empowerment life coach uh, an empowerment life coach but before we get to him in everything that I do I endeavor to create an environment and a culture where people with diverse backgrounds and belief systems feel safe and appreciated. The same thing can be said about this show. now listen I'm gonna open up the phone lines throughout the entire show all right if you have any questions, or something is said that kind of excites you or something said that you would like to, you know, put your input in, uh, you can call in. Call in, talk to me. Call in, talk to our guests. It doesn't matter. I want to hear from each and every one of you. If you have a question, as I said, and if you have input. Now, listen, here's where some of you might get a little upset with me, and I get it. Out of respect to our guests and to other callers, I have to limit your call to 60 to 90 seconds. That's right, 60 to 90 seconds. So if I have to hang up on you, I don't want you to take it personal. I just want you to understand that it's all a part of the process, all right? And then you can just call in the next show. Or maybe you can hang up and call in again and disguise your voice, and I won't realize it's you, all right? Now, also, I want us to all understand, too, that when we call in, we are expected to be respectful of our guests, other callers, as well as myself. Yes, you have the right to disagree with anything any of us say. However, we must learn to disagree from a place of respect. Why? Because when we disagree from a place of respect, that means we can listen and we can value others' opinions, and guess what might happen out of that? We end up growing and learning something that we've never learned before because we have embraced someone who does not think or believe like we do. So here's the call-in number. Call-in number is 516-387-1756. Again, 516-387-1756. Now, without further ado, I'm excited To welcome our guests on tonight I know that tonight's show Is going to be amazing And some of you might say You always say that And that's because I believe it I believe in each and every one That I invite on this show I know that they have substance And what they are bringing Can help along your journey It can help you live a fulfilling life I know it without a shadow of a doubt So I already know the show Is going to be awesome So I want you to sit back And enjoy the show and help me welcome Dr. Jesse Sanders to the show. Dr. Sanders, how Hello, are you? This good evening. evening. I'm excellent. How are you, sir? Awesome, awesome. I'm well. I'm excited about this interview. As I said, I just believe that we are going to have people that are going to be blessed. We've been getting testimonies back about how people were blessed by other uh, our guest's uh, story and their willingness to share their story. So I already know that tonight's going to be... Nothing different than what we've experienced. If it's anything different, it's going to be greater than we've ever experienced. Awesome. I look forward to it. All right. So here we go. Let's start the interview. Here we go. Dr. Sanders, if someone asked you to describe your life in three words, what would those three words
2: be? (laughs) Oh, boy. Redefining. Okay, <laughs> yeah, redefining would certainly be one um, mm-hmm. perseverance mm-hmm. Um, and tenacity. those would be wow. my three okay. words redefining, perseverance, I'll... and tenacity. those would certainly be my okay. three words. All right, now we're gonna stick right with that
1: redefine because that was what we' were gonna go into next because I noticed on your website I noticed. Uh, in your videos, you talk about living a redefined life. A redefined life. Can you explain to us
2: exactly what a redefined life is? Absolutely. Um, I talk about redefining life, and if I could kind of give you the backdrop of the story sure. as I talk about that. Do you mind if I do that first, please? Uh,
0: sure, go
2: ahead. Uh, I talk, okay, great. Um, I was actually sitting in my living room when that name dropped in my spirit. Um, You know, I I remember when one of my professors told me um, at my university that no matter how much education you have, that your experience always trumps your education. And I can remember sitting in my living room, and that word dropped in my spirit. It's a word that I never thought of. And I was sitting in my living room thinking about a name, and I did not want a name that that was a cliche. You know, we always think of cliches, you know, especially during New Year's service or uh, Easter service. Yes. I did not want a, na- a cliche name. That is not the type of person right. that I am. But I wanted something that resonated, one, with myself. And two, with the people that I've been called to, because I understand I have not been called to everyone. And redefined was the word that dropped in my spirit. And I was thinking, well, okay, what? I understand the meaning, but I need more than just the basic meaning. And so I thought about the meaning itself of redefining. It basically means to be transformed. And to be mm-hmm. transformed, a lot of times, You know, to be transformed simply means to start over. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. to start over with what we have. So it doesn't mean that where I am now, that I, you know, start over with what I have now. You know, but it's almost like Jesus in the Bible. When he went into the temple and he tore up the entire temple and he said, look, none of this represents, you know, my father. He tore up the entire temple, and that represents our lives a lot of times. A lot of times we simply have to start over. And so no matter what our background is or what our last names are, a lot of times we simply have to start over, and we have to become transformed from the beginning. And that's where my life was in that particular season. I had to become completely transformed from the beginning. And it was not an easy route, and it was a detour that I had to take, which is something that I also addressed as well in conjunction with being redefined, that, you know, a detour is nothing that any of us plan for our lives. You know, a lot of times when we either graduate high school or graduate college, we have this pretty life that we have planned for ourselves, and then our life takes a different route that we have not planned, and then we get confused. Like, wait a minute, this Mm -hmm. is not what I had mapped out. And what do I do with this? And so with redefined, it simply means to be transformed. And so what do I do with the transformation? How do I accept it? How do I create a strategic plan from the transformation? And not the pretty life that I have planned out for myself, but what has been dealt to me the light that has been dealt to me. And so with the transformation, that's what redefining is all about. And I have two choices. I can either well actually I have three choices. I can either kick and scream about it, I can remain in neutral, or I can pick my big self up and declare that my life has more meaning than this. And that I have to create a plan And move forward I have to have progressive movement From this place And I chose that I would have progressive movement From this place And that's why redefining means so much to me Because a lot of people And including religious people A lot of people will Mm -hmm. shout And they will holler But they will not choose To be transformed And there's a major difference So yeah So that's why redefining means so much to me because it's it's a place of accountability and responsibility. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to like it, but it means that I accept where I am, and it accepts where I desire to go. So, yeah, that's why uh, redefine means a lot to me. That's a personal place for me personally.
1: Now, that you said that's a personal place for you. Can you share maybe some of the obstacles that you faced while you were going through that redefining moment. And I'm not saying, you know, that you perfected it or anything like that. I know that it's it's a daily process. But, you know, early on when, because, you know, when we start something new sometimes that's a challenge to us because we aren't accustomed to doing it. We've become accustomed to doing some things for so long it just becomes, you know, second nature to us. So what were some obstacles that you faced in, You talked about a plan. What were some things that you implemented in order for you to be able to overcome those obstacles?
2: Absolutely. You know, one thing, um, you know, I have a 19-year-old daughter uh, who started college, Mm -hmm. bless God, and, you know, I had shared custody with her. Yeah, and I had shared custody with her, and I actually became a single father. Uh, with her, and that was a life change for me. And a lot of times, you know, we hear about single mothers, but we don't hear a lot emphasized about single fathers. Um, we just oh, hear true. about the single mothers. And that was a journey for me because I was thinking, how could someone abandon um, their child? Because that was foreign to me. You know, I have two children, and it was something that I never um, had done for my 19-year-old or my 10-year-old daughter that I have. I mean, it was something as a father that I have never done. i never abandoned my daughters. I mean, it was something that I never even have thought about. So for my 19-year-old, right. you know, her mother had went through some things in life. I mean, I understand life hits us all in different angles, but I just could not understand. I could not wrap my mind around how her mother, to me, could abandon her. And so at at that time, in that dispensation of time, it was just my 19-year-old daughter and I, um, and so her mother was just kind of inactive. And so I had to begin Mm -hmm. to deal with, okay, it's it's not shared parenting any longer. It's just her and I. Um, With my Mm -hmm. 10-year-old, with my ex-wife and I, we had great shared parenting, and we still do. But with my 19-year-old, I was a single father. So I had to begin to adjust to those changes that was dealt to me. I didn't ask for it. It was given to me. And it was either I just whined about it or I adjusted to it. And as a parent, as most parents would know, you have to adjust differently when you have a child because it's not just about you as an individual. It's about your child as well. So I couldn't just kick and scream, and have moments longer, because then it would affect my child longer. So, I had to have my moments in private, and pray my way through, Mm -hmm. and I only pray my way through, because that's what super religious people do, but I had to deal with it. (laughs) I had to deal with myself. I had to deal with my anger, those moments that I was pissed off. I hope I could say that on your show. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, thank you. So I I had to deal with, you know, those moments that I was pissed off, those moments that I was hurt, those moments that I wanted to cry. Like, you know, God, I really need you to get me through this. You know, yes, I'm praying, and yes, I have faith in God, but I'm still human. I have a humanistic side to me, and I don't need anyone to quote a scripture to me. If I hear someone else quote another scripture to me about how God is going to bring me through, I'm going to just scream, and then I'm going to punch them in the face because I have been to seminary school. I know the scriptures. I know what God can do. I do not need an over-religious person trying to quote a scripture to me. I don't need someone else telling me that they're praying for me. i got 300 people praying for me already. I need someone helping me to be realistic with the process. And what happens is a lot of times when we're connected with over-religious people who, are learned, who have learned how to operate in a systematic religious system but not in a relationship, all they can do is give you what they know. They can give you what they have not learned to possess. And so I've learned that a lot of the people I was connected to were just a whole bunch of religious people. And so all they could do Mm -hmm. was tell me they were praying for me or quote me a scripture that they heard the pastor preach, even if the scripture was wrong. And there's a lot of people that quoted (laughs) a scripture to me that was so not conducive for the circumstances. And I was thinking you just completely (laughs) slaughtered that scripture. That scripture is still so mm. not conducive for this situation. But I'm going to let you have that moment because this is not the moment for me to tear you up. Because I could if I wanted to, but it was so be in my flesh. And so right. I just learned that, you know what, this is the opportunity for me to grow as well as an individual. And it was. It was an opportunity for me to grow as an individual. So in that moment, I was also able to learn myself and so as I was forced because that's what it was I was forced to grow up and not only was I forced to grow up in God but I was also forced to grow in God because there was places in God that I was forced to grow into that I didn't know about him that I thought I knew right out of all out of all of my theologian education out of all of my years of being in church, there was places in God that I thought I knew that I did not know. And I thought, God, yes. where has have, where have this part of you been? And I remember what my professor said. Experience always trumps education. And mm-hmm. so I had to go through those experiences. And we, we will quote those experiences. You know, like if somebody stumped their toe at the end of their bed, they will, they will shout that in a minute. Like, I stumped my toe, I had to go through it. That is not an experience. Fool, you just stumped your toe. That's not an experience. <laughs> but you really go through something. It will, something right. that takes you down to your knees, something you mm-hmm. thought you really would not have to cry about. And so that took me down to my knees to where I'm talking that when you look at a person and you literally have to turn around and pray and walk in the bathroom and pray again, and you thought you heard God and when you came out the bathroom, you said, okay, maybe I didn't hear God. And you had to go back in the bathroom a couple more times because you look at that person. And said, "Okay, well, I thought I knew him, but I clearly didn't know him because I'm looking at this asshole, and I still want to take their life from them. See, this is the realness right. that we don't give people. Right, right. That's what made. That's what took me down to my knees and made me go to a place of being transformed. And I will never forget." When I talked to my grandmother one night and my grandmother told me and my grandmother, you know, my grandparents raised me from middle school on up and I was talking to my grandmother one night as I was going through the court hearings because I moved from one state to another state. I'm originally from Indiana. I moved from Indiana to Ohio. And so when you move from one state to another state, they have what they call foreign cases. And so, you know, you of course you have attorneys that cannot um, that does not have jurisdiction in one state from another state, and so I'm paying two attorneys at the same time. I'm paying attorney, an attorney and attorney in Indiana and attorney in Ohio. So you know when people mess with your finances, that alone is enough to piss you off. And so mm-hmm. I'm dealing with that. And so I'm thinking, why is she making this process so difficult? Because at this time, I have already had my daughter for five years and it went from a position to us signing a piece of paper that she did not want to sign to me obtaining an attorney because I I had to obtain an attorney uh, for the school system. And I thought, why make this so difficult? Wouldn't it be easier if more parents could get along? It would help our children more. And because of my background, because of my profession as a therapist, I see children, you know, that are damaged day by day in dysfunctional homes. And I certainly did not want that for my family or for my daughter. And it was a breaking point for me. Oh, my gosh, Clifton, day by day, week by week, month by month. But I had to continue to go to work and encourage other people and do my job. Nice every day through the process, and I continue to do it with integrity and without being prejudiced against other women or other fathers. I continue to do it because it was my job, and I did it gracefully, and I did it properly. And my grandmother told me one day, she said, Jesse, why do you continue to get upset over her doing what she has done for years? You're expecting her to do what's right. She's never done what's right. Why do you continue to get upset? And when I tell you, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was thinking that is so true. Because so many times, and we don't think about it, but it is logical, so many times what places us in a place of despair is our expectation of people. Is why don't you do what's right? Why right. don't you operate with the spirit of integrity? And that's what it was that was tearing me down, is my expectation. Why don't you do what's right? Don't you see the suffering of our child? Don't you see the process this is taking us through? And etc. It was my expectation. And what and I made up my mind one day, I am no longer allowing. This process or this person—I really said this idiot, but I wasn't going to say it. But I already said it now. Mm-hmm. To to take me, to take me down, and when I said that, I promise you, it was a 24-hour shift that took place. And people will say, "Is it really that easy?" And it really was. I made up my mind that day, and the next. And I tell you, that night I prayed, I laid out before God. And not only did I pray and lay out before God, but I really made a conscious decision that I was not going to allow this to take me down. And that morning I woke up because every day I wake up in meditation because I believe it's so important that we Make sure that before we start our day that we, that we make sure that we're in the place of the here and the now, that we are in tune with ourselves. So that next day I woke up in a place of meditation, and I said everything that I declared before I went to sleep last night, I still declare this morning. And I'm going to walk in it no matter what is thrown at me today. And when I went to the hearing, we had another hearing that next day. When I went to the hearing that next day, everything shifted. And my reaction was totally different. And it just set her on fire because she was getting no reaction from me. Because mm-hmm. I was determined. I'm not allowing her to control me, control my home. This is not happening anymore. I'm over this. I'm I'm through with this. And that's when I that's when I as a person became transformed, and that's why I even do what I do now with a greater passion. When I tell you, ever since that day, it even shifted not only myself but my practice to another dimension. Because when I help families now and help fathers now, it allowed it took me to another dimension, and so now I allow family units to see the children and not just themselves because that's really what it's all about. So my goal is to decrease the dysfunctional number of families and not just see your petty issues, get free from your separate issues and let this de- let's decrease the number of dysfunctional families that we have, because that's what's most important. So that, that's that's the, that's the major stage, because I went through depression. I went through anxiety. Mm-hmm. There was moments mm-hmm. I did not know if I was going to make it through. And I knew there were right. days she probably did not want me to make it through. But I made it through. And when I tell you I made it through like a champ, I made it through like a champ. And I came out on top, and I thank God every day that I came out on top. But I didn't come out super religious. I came out, of Mm -hmm. course, thanking God because I'm a spiritual person. That's just who I am. But I also became in tune with self because I believe in self-accountability. The responsibility Mm -hmm. just was not on God. The responsibility that God gave me I also accepted that and took the steps that I needed to take as well because self-enrichment is important and it takes self-responsibility.
1: Awesome. And you know what I appreciate about that? You shared the raw, ugly side of transformation. You didn't try to pretty it up. You didn't try to decorate it. You didn't try to paint it and make it look real pretty like it was just a I was just sitting one day, and poof, poof, it happened to me. You talked about, you know, your attitude within it, and I, that's why I created this show. The reason why this show was created is so that other people see the story behind where we are now or where we're going. Because some people feel as if they can never attain anything in life because they, some people have just hid that side from them. So they're thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. they're heading down the wrong road because they're sitting there thinking, well, it didn't happen to me like that. So that's why I wanted to create this platform so that everybody could come on and people could see that you're not just, you know, Dr. Jesse Sanders, that Jesse went through a process in order to, you know, be who you are today and who you're developing into uh, for the the next uh, phase of what you're going to do. And that's what I want people to understand. It doesn't no matter where you're at right now; none of that matters. It's about what are you going to do with what you're at. Because you said something, and I want you to to touch on this a little bit more as well. You talked about you understood God's responsibility, and then the responsibility that He gave to you. Now, how do say you were a person that grew up, you know, in in church? And you have that mindset. You are a logical person. So anytime somebody told you, well, God's got it, God's got it, so you just sat around and just waited for God to have it. How do you get beyond that and learn what's your responsibility versus what's what's God's responsibility?
2: Relationship. And I tell people that Mm -hmm. now. Relationship is so important, just like if you're married. You know, which I'm not, but I was, and I will be again one day, praise God. But, you know, even mm-hmm. in relationship, when you're married, you know your partner. You, and we know that communication right. is, one of, is one of the strongest foundations of um, a relationship. And so you know what is your responsibility in that relationship, and what is the responsibility of the other party. So, you know, if something is going wrong or something is going wrong, okay, what do I need to do? And what do they need to do? And you communicate that back and forth. And that is what prayer is. We know that prayer is dialogue. Dialogue is, okay, you speak, and then the other party speaks. And so, we know, both parties are not speaking at the same time. We know each party has the (laughs) responsibility of listening and hearing. And some people get so deep, they think that, you know, they talk all the time. And then once they're done talking, (laughs) it's over. Absolutely (laughs) most important all the time. So once you're done, still stay down so that you can receive instruction, because that's one of the most important parts of prayer is the instruction. And so Mm -hmm. it's very important to understand what is my responsibility I can understand my responsibility if I don't have relationship. And that has always been one of my major things. So just like when I went to when I went to Bible college, when I, you know, graduated high school, went to Bible college, there were some major subjects I wanted to know about, and I did not I did not just want to know about them from the perspective of what I learned from what was being preached to me throughout my childhood, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to mm-hmm. know about them from the Bible's perspective. And so I was ready to go to Bible college because I wanted that knowledge. I wanted that wisdom because it is very important, and I spoke about that, or I spoke about it I spoke about that a little bit on one of my lives, about how wisdom is very important, you know, in our walk with God. We have to have that wisdom. And so I was ready to go to Bible college because there were some things I wanted to know about. And even there were some things, you know, I heard preach that even as a child did not, some things did not make sense to me. But I exactly. amen. And some things I amen. Some things I had sensitive enough not to amen, because I just thought about, <laughs> what kind of bull stuff is this being exactly. talked about mm-hmm. because it just did not make sense, and so I had questions, and so I could not went to go to Bible college because I wanted to know because I've always been an analytical person uh, you have mm-hmm. I have never been a person where you could just tell me something, and I believed it. I always wanted to know, how do you know this? Where did you get this from? And you couldn't just tell me that you got it from GooglePiggy.com. No, I needed some (laughs) some factual, secure basis information of where you got it from. And so relationship is very important because, again, relationship is dialogue. It's a two-way communication. And so it allows me the opportunity to speak because that's proper communication. And not only does it, not only does it allow me the opportunity to speak, but it allows the other party to, the opportunity to interject. That's proper communication. Proper communication is not just you doing all the talking and then when you get up that you're so important that because you said what you had to say, it's over. No. Now that I've spoken Mm. or they've spoken, now it's the other party's opportunity to interject. And that is what's so important. And when you feel like we, when we feel like that we have it all together, then we're saying Mm. that I have met the threshold that I need to meet for glory. That's not Mm. the case. When Not we all. And all of us still have a humanistic side. And so because I still have a humanistic side, every day I'm evolving. I don't care what I know. I don't care what I've learned. I don't care what educational institution I've been to. Every day I'm evolving to a different dimension. And so because I'm always ever evolving, I can always be wrong. I can always be corrected. Mm. And so because that is the case, I can always be rebuked, and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And what happens is a lot of times people don't like to be rebuked is because people are not free from how they were rebuked in their past. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. why a lot of people don't take being rebuked so well, is because of the manner of how they were rebuked in their past. But I'm okay with being rebuked when it's done correctly and in love and when it's done with the right spirit, I'm okay with being rebuked because Jesse is human and so I know that I'm going to error. I know that I've messed I know when I have messed up and reality is is that when you are a person of humility and when you are a person that have accepted all of you is you know when you have errored. A majority of the time before people even come to you and tell you you have error.
1: Exactly.
2: Would my friend, If my friend had come to me and tell me, Jesse, you hurt my feelings when you said whatever I said in this manner. When they come to me, I say within myself, yeah, that was a bad day, and I know I said that messed up. I already know mm-hmm. And so I apologize. We don't go back and forth. We don't do that. We don't go back and forth 30 times because I can accept the rebuke and I can apologize. And we can move on because our love is authentic and we have proper relationship. When you have healthy relationship, you have healthy communication. But people that's not free, they don't understand healthy relationships. And that's where you have problems.
0: Yeah, I, I
1: totally agree. I totally agree. And, and I believe that, you know, sometimes that's what we run into are people that have kind of bought into the religious system. And now, you know, and I know I went through a process as well in my own personal life where developing a relationship with God was kind of a challenge for me um, because mm-hmm. of... My perception of what other people said, so I didn't feel like you know I don't even feel worthy to even communicate with you. And I know I had to fight through all of that to understand that He longs to communicate with us, and if we would sit down, sit down long enough, and allow Him to speak, then some of the direction that we're seeking, we wouldn't even have to seek it so much because we would actually hear Him. I, I had a. young man that I was mentoring, and he he was always all over the place, always all over the place. And he would be like, well, God, don't speak to me when I pray. And I said, well, that's because as soon as you finish, you pop right up and you're gone. I said, you treat prayer just like <laughs> you treat you know, everything else. I said, you don't even give him time to talk. I said, he's ready to open up his mouth, but as he's about to open up his mouth, you're gone. I said, you have to sit there sometimes <laughs> and then allow him Absolutely. to speak.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, Absolutely. Uh, here guys, here what I want here's what I want to say. Call in if you want to. 516-387-1756. 516-387-1756. Now, there's something you said a while ago that I really wanna unpack. I wanna unpack this here. You said that although you had your faith in God, I'm paraphrasing. Um you are okay. realistic with the process. You're realistic with the process. How does one maintain their faith in God but yet be realistic in the process as well?
2: Oh, my. Again, and you know what? You may get tired. This may sound redundant. and You may be like, yes, I'm tired of hearing you say this. But again, the foundation is relationship. Because I remember going to God one time and I was praying for something. And when I tell you, I was in deep, I was in prophetically mm-hmm. deep. I had my prayer shawl around me. I was praying to God <laughs> and I was going in. I was in my tongues and God, I heard his voice in an audible voice. He told me to stop. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and It was so clear. At first, I thought it was my daughter playing a joke on me. And she knows not to come into my room. I was in my closet praying. She knows not to come in when I'm praying. And so I thought, I am about to get her because she knows not to disturb me when I'm praying. And I thought it was her. And I looked around and it was not her. And I heard her music playing in her room. I said, I now know I'm not all the way crazy. I said, I'm about to pray again. And I heard him say, stop again. And he said, mm-hmm. I already addressed this. You have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. He stopped me in my track. And reality is, is that I was praying through, but he he had already dealt with me. He had already gave me the security That he was with me in it. And because Mm -hmm. he was with me in it, I had already had the power. You know, because we're good at quoting scriptures, You know, we quote a scripture, you know, uh, you know, where Paul said, you know, God's giving us the power, you know, it's giving us a spirit of not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind, Mm -hmm. you know, like he told the spiritual son Timothy. You know, we're good at quoting the scripture and we'll quote a scripture in a Mm -hmm. minute, but we won't eat the scripture.
1: Come on,
2: and God had to remind me i you have no, you have the power, so are you just scared? Is that what it is? Mm. Because if you're scared, then that's what we need to address is your fear, not right. me walking you through it, so don't pray like you just got all this great power. So the reality is, because, you know, that's what a mental illness is. A mental illness is, is when you walk in a delusion of something and when Uh-oh. you don't walk in a reality of it. That's what a mental illness is. So when you mm-hmm. when you do not walk in a reality of something and you walk in a delusion of it, that's what a mental illness is. So his question to mm-hmm. me was, so is, is, is your prayer is to deal with your fear or... To deal with you in walking through this thing, which is it, and I had to deal with Ooh. it. Oh, I, okay. You, you right. All right. You, you right. So I had to deal with the reality is that okay, there's a little bit of fear I got in dealing with this thing, and so I had to address the fear. I couldn't address. How much power I have until I address Mm the fear. And that's a lot of times, even we have, you know, Christians that are talking about God has given me this business and this business plan. And so then you'll see them six years later and talk about, sis, what happened to your business? I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, what exactly are you? He is not dying on Calvary again. He is not going up with Baptist Hill dying again. What exactly? Are you waiting for? And a lot of times Christians will use that as a fear phase.
0: Yeah, yes.
2: Because if I'm waiting on the Lord, you're really not waiting on the Lord. You're just scared. You're mm-hmm. just scared because you're afraid to go into the land of the unknown. And it's so it, I'd rather you say that than lie on the Lord and say you're waiting on God. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in when, when we deal with mental health. When we deal with people that are used to being in an unhealthy relationship, when we have people, say, for example, that are used to being in domestic violence relationships, and people say, I don't know how he or she can stay in that relationship, you know, being, being beat or being abused, that's because that's familiar territory to them. So you don't mm-hmm. understand how they could stay in that relationship because it's not you. But that's that's their norm. It's not your norm. That's their norm. Right. So right. you would say, I would leave if I was them. I would leave, leave them. You would because you're not in it. They've been in it. So mm-hmm. you're asking them to leave their norm and to enter into a land that's unfamiliar to them. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. They're afraid right. of that. And so it's the same thing when you deal with saints who just still waiting on the Lord, but they're really afraid. So they're saying, Mm -hmm. I would rather wait right here and stay stuck and let the enemy have his hand over my mind and over my vision than to move into the unknown territory and just believe that God is going to walk me to to my land of milk and honey because I don't know what's awaiting me on the other side. Right. They're afraid. And so a lot of times we get afraid, but we don't want to say, I don't want to deal with my reality. But that's just a spiritual mental illness. Right. That's all that is, but we don't want to say that. But we have to deal with that reality. What is your reality? And I had to deal with that. I said, you know what, God? Don't tell nobody, but I'm, okay, I'm scared. I am a little afraid. And this is what I'm afraid of. Although he already knew, I had to speak it out of my mouth. Because what? Right. Out of my confession. So I had to hear it. So out of the confession of my mouth, I had to hear it. So I had to begin to speak. This is what my fear is. And then when I begin to speak what my fear was, then I could begin to – he and I could begin to deal with those fears. Why? Because I acknowledge those fears. I can't deal with something I don't acknowledge. And that's Definitely. what a lot of people want to do. We want to disregard the thing, the things that we want to disregard. But I can't deal with something that I don't want to acknowledge. And we have to remember that avoidance is not deliverance. So So just because I avoided it don't mean I'm delivered from it.
1: Correct. You said so much right in there. Listen, y'all, I also want to apologize. I know y'all probably hear my little cousins knocking on the door and calling my name.
2: I didn't hear nothing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> They're waiting for me to finish. So if you hear it on the replay, I do apologize. I have one that she makes her appearance at least once on every show. She's gonna make sure that she's heard. <laughs> but, but yeah, she, she wants and she wants to always wants to be behind the mic. So I told her one day we'll let her come on the show and see how she handles it. She's two, but she's going on twenty-two. So, but you were talking about the relationship aspect of it, and that is. Paramount. I talk about that even in my book too, how important it is to develop that personal relationship with God because then the word becomes illuminated in our spirit. We're not just sitting and quoting the scripture because, you know, that's what we've learned how to quote. You know, we can speak it and then exercise it as well because we're one with it, you know, and we're communicating with Him. And now, because we have that relationship, then it brings more definition and weight to our own personal life as well. So okay, we got a couple of more minutes. This hour has went by quick as always, but here's what we got. we got eight more minutes i'm going to see, i'm gonna ask you one more question. I wanna give you about five minutes to address that question, and then i'm gonna give you two minutes to give your final word to everybody and then let them know where they can find you. And all that good stuff, then I'll take the last minute to wrap up the show. All right? So here's my last question. All right. The other word that I, we really didn't get to talk about a lot was detour. We talked about the detour. Now, if I'm correct, you wrote a book that addresses the detouring. Is that yeah, correct? that correct? is correct. Hacking your detour, yes. mental construction zone. What does that yes, sir. talk Yes, Hacking Your
2: Mental relate? Detour.
1: Yeah, how, what, what does that book address or what, what does it, you know, discuss or unpack for people who may be out there and they're at that place in life where they're experiencing a detour and they just don't know how to handle it right now? They don't want to face it right now.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I wrote Hacking Your Mental Detour, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's part one, and I'll be working on part two here soon, and, you know, it's available at Amazon right now, and what it basically represents is, you know, it's a book basically for proven strategies. For one, you know, embracing, you know, your inner circle, because we all have our inner circle of people that we connect with, um, that we strategize with, Um, so that's one. We have to have a healthy inner circle. Um, Also, growing and maintaining a healthy environment. Who is? in our environment? Who do we allow in our Mm. space? And then also living beyond our regrets because we all Mm. have something. That is something I always say. I don't care who we are, what we've done, what we live beyond. One of my mottos is that we all have something. So we have to learn to live beyond our regrets. And if we cannot learn to live our life, beyond our regrets, we will always remain stuck, and we cannot allow someone to keep us stuck in our life um, construction zone. So, you know, uh, in in our life, life has always taken us for a ride. You know, I said this earlier. You know, our life has never taken us down the route that we have wanted it to take us down. But our life has always taken us down a ride, you know, whether it's our finances, our relationship, um, our businesses, our ministries, you know, whatever it may have been. We have all approached, you know, a detoured construction zone, Uh, you know, and the definition, Mm -hmm. you know, a detour, you know, is a deviated route, you know, from our direct course. So, you know, it's it's basically a roundabout way, uh, a temporary replacement from the route that we were directly going to. And so when we think about a detour, if you're like me, you know, we undoubtedly become aggravated and we think about how we're being inconvenienced, how I was going down my original route, and now I've been taking down a deviated route thats that I'm not familiar with. But I wanted us to take a different thought pattern, when thinking about a detoured route. That a detoured route, yes, that it can aggravate us and yes, is it, it can inconvenience us, but also we can also consciously train our mind to think about it in a more positive way, in a more empowering way, in a more wealthy way, to think about that, you know what, this is a route that I would have not known about had I not been taken off course and a lot of times we have to be taken off course to learn different routes and it becomes a route that sometimes we need later in life you know even me there are some times um that i i have learned detour routes that have inconvenienced me from my original route you know maybe a couple years previously that i use now sometimes if traffic is too heavy on my original route, I think, you know what? Mm -hmm. I learned this other route last year or two years ago. So I'm about to take this back route and get past this traffic because I remember it from when I was previously inconvenienced. And so now it's used as a benefit to me, but I didn't like it previously, but now it's used as a benefit to me. And so we have to begin to think and consciously train our minds Say yes. Now it may be an inconvenience, but how can I use this to benefit me? And so this book basically gives us um, it gives us five steps. And that I wanted to do something small, and it's an interactive workbook basically. And so through each mm-hmm. um, step that it gives us, you read each step, and then it gives you some interactive questions because everything I do, I want to redefine and challenge someone's thought process when they read. And I wanted to keep it simple and I wanted to keep it smart. So in each step. And so, you know, I, I don't have it, you know, in front of me, but like step one, I know it talked about putting our past behind us. Um step two, it talked about, um I believe establishing a new atmosphere. Step three, it talked mm-hmm. about creating a new space of peace and happiness. And step four Um, I believe um, embracing um, the transition because that's something I know that a lot of us Mm. do not like to do Mm. um, about embracing transition. That can become difficult for all of us. And um, step five was talking about gravitating to like-minded people. So because we have to make sure that once we make those adjustments and those changes that I'm maintaining a healthy atmosphere. So I have to connect with like-minded people who understand not only where I am, but where I'm going. And a lot of times we don't do that. We make temporary changes, and then we connect with temporary people. That doesn't work. It does not work at all. It does not work at all. And then in the end of the book, not only does it give the conclusion, but it also, because, and this is one thing, that my daughter and I did when, when we went through all redefining transition is we did affirmations. And so that's one thing at the end of the interactive workbook is I challenge people to do affirmations. And even my teenage daughter, she thought, dad, that doesn't work. You know, affirmations doesn't work. It doesn't work if you do it for two days and then you stop. No, it doesn't work right. because you have not built a habit. So, no, you're right, it doesn't. Nothing works if you do it for two days and then you stop. Antibiotics doesn't work if you do it for two days and then you stop. But if you maintain consistency, it will work. If you maintain a habit, it will work. And we learned that, and so I challenge people to do that. Maintain consistency, build a habit. And once you build a habit, watch things begin to change. Why? Because you're beginning to change your mind about things. When you begin to change your mind, things begin to shift.
1: Wow. That was basically the final word right there. We have about 30 seconds or so, and we're going to be off the air. Dr. Sanders, thank you again for joining us on tonight. When we go dark, I don't want you to hang up, though. I want you to stay right on the phone. Um, but everybody, thank you for tuning in on tonight. I know you were blessed by this interview. If you were blessed, and when we go when we go dark, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your contact information, and they'll be able to hear it on the replay. Um, but uh, listen, everybody, as I said, thank you. Without you, there would be no show. So I appreciate each and every one of you. And as I always say, create a great day, walk with purpose, and by all means, execute your vision. Be blessed. All right, so the live is over. However, we're still recording, okay? We're still recording. And on the replay, people will be able to hear this part of the interview as well. Okay?
0: Okay. Yes, sir. Do you have
1: a couple, a couple minutes to answer uh, a couple more questions? Sure. Okay, all right. So now what I want you to do real quick is to give people information about where they can purchase the book as well as information where they can contact you and connect with you on your social media platforms.
2: Absolutely. So the book can be purchased on Amazon, uh, amazon.com. And, again, the name of the book is Hacking Hacking your mental detour and it is written by dr jesse sanders again hacking your mental detour and it can be purchased on amazon.com and i can be found my website is www.iamredefined.org i-a-m-r-e-d-e-f-i-n-e-d.org and then also on social media platform Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dr. Redefined on all three platforms and on LinkedIn at Dr. Jesse Sanders.
1: Awesome, awesome. Now, on this part of the interview, I usually have three questions that I ask everybody because I always like to hear everybody's responses to these three questions. Um, So the first question is, Do you have any upcoming uh, projects that you can share, you know, not share everything about, but, you know, give us a little glimpse into what's uh, what's to come?
2: Absolutely. So as I previously stated on the interview, um, two quick projects. One, I'm working on part two for Hacking Your Mental Detour. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm currently in the process of working on that for part two. Um, for Hacking Your Mental to a Workbook. Also, I co authored uh, Letters uh, to Our Brothers, which is also a Amazon's bestseller. I co authored that with 44 other brothers. Um, and that is a, a book that was co authored for minority men. And so we are very proud of that project. So we, I will be at a Meet the Authors event in Raleigh, North Carolina, on December 14th weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. That will be on my website as well. So those are the two major events that are upcoming. up.
1: Awesome, awesome. Now, on this show, we have something that we call Transforming Transformers. I developed that concept from my book, From Stagnation to Transformation, Cheap plug, listen, if you have not purchased it, head over to cliftonpettyjohn.com. You'll get a preview of the book. After you get that preview, you're going to want to purchase it. It will bless your life. But we developed the term transforming transformers, and those are people who have committed their life to allowing the creator to transform their lives so that they can become mentors or, you know, spiritual fathers or whatever, you know, the label is to others who are going through the process or just beginning their process. So while you were going through your process and, um, you know, continue to go through your process, do you have one, two, sometimes some people give three, you know, mentors or anybody that you want to shout out that has helped you along your way?
2: Uh, Absolutely. One mentor um, that was certainly there along my way, Um, One was uh, my spiritual father, um, Daniel Byrd, Prophet Daniel Byrd, my spiritual father. He was an awesome mentor to me. And then also my grandmother, uh, Zoma Sanders. She was an awesome mentor to me as well. Um, Without those two during my process, I absolutely do not know where I would have been uh, during that process. And so I thank God for them. And my last one is my sister, Brandy Johnson, now Brandy Johnson McGee. She was also a a backbone for me during that process. And so those three were just awesome people that got me through that major transition. And I'm grateful to God for them during that time. Awesome. And
1: we honor each and every one of them today. It is so awesome and so refreshing to hear uh, those of us that, you know, are blazing trails now honoring those that came before us and helped us along the way that, you know, many times did a lot of things in the background that some people, you know, may not know about, but It's because of them that we're able to stand in the forefront and do what we're able to do on today. So we honor each and every one of you on today, and we thank God for your contribution to not just the body of Christ but to the world. All right? Now the last Mm -hmm. question. This is the question I always love. Well, I just started this. I'm not going to say always. (laughs)
0: <laughs> on this show, I just started this.
1: Now, in, <laughs> in other platforms, I always do this, but I just started this on the show. Um, who is God to you personally?
2: Oh, my gosh. That is that is a loaded question. Yes. But to me, he is, that is a loaded question. But to me, he is certainly my Everything. He is my everything, and one, he is my confidant, Um, but Mm -hmm. he is my everything. But I say uh, majority he's my confidant because certainly when I need sound advice versus going to two or three different people, when I need sound advice that I know is secure and right advice that I don't have to second guess, but I know it's certainly right. I know He will give it to me.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Awesome. That and is and the that reason is why started to me. awesome. I started asking that question because uh, you even said this in the interview as well. You were talking about how you learned that there were basically dimensions in God that you didn't know about. You found out about them along your process. And I always tell people that I like to hear who God is to other people because it kind of opens me up to be able to, okay, God, I haven't experienced you yet in that dimension. But because I can hear their testimony concerning it, okay, God, now I know that down the road, I may experience you in, the, in that in dimension because I just personally feel uh-huh. we'll never live long enough to fully understand who he is, you know, so I always like to ask that question and hear how, you know, the personal side of it and the excitement, you know, that sometimes we get when talking about him because, you know, we remember where we were and we know who we still are. And if it had not been Absolutely. for him, you know, he from him sparing our life and then sparing other people's lives that could have been taken at our hands. So, you know, it, it just, it's just awesome. <laughs> Listen, I, I know what you mean. Absolutely. What I said earlier. But it, it's just oh. awesome hearing what how people interpret God personally to them. And I always tell people, because, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, my grandmom said, my pastor said, I hate, that is a statement mm-hmm. I hate to
0: hear. Uh,
1: anything. Uh, I remember having a conversation with somebody and they were trying to defend something that that I can't even remember what it was. And I said, do you honestly believe that? And they said, yeah. I said, and you studied and researched that. It was like, no, my pastor said, I said, come on, yo.
2: <laughs> come on, yo. i stop, I stopped
0: listening.
1: It, oh, because I, I personally feel any pastor, apostle, prophet evangelist elder whoever you are that's worth your salt you are going to encourage the people hear what i'm teaching hear what i'm preaching but go study it for yourself study that thing for yourself so that you know that and that's where that relationship comes in the hand so again i thank you for joining us on tonight i know that people were blessed by your testimony and by your story um Please keep us posted on everything that you have going on. When your new book drops, let us know as well. We'll bring you back on. You can talk about that. Um, Again, thank you. Those that are listening, thank you. Also, next month, we do still have our two shows on next month, November the 18th, 9 p.m. That's a Monday. We have Demetrius Moore joining us. He's going to give us his personal journey of transformation. And then on the 29th, and I want everybody to remember this, I think it's the 5th Friday of the month because the 4th Friday was already booked. So the next month we will be on the 5th Friday of the month, so it will be the 29th at 9 p.m. And I want to see each and every one of you back here once again. I've already told you to create a great day, walk with purpose, and by all means execute your vision. But I also want to say to you, take time to develop that personal relationship with God that will give you the foundation of your transformation. Be blessed. Yes.
2: Yes. Likewise. Thank you for the invite.
1: Awesome. No problem. No problem. All right.